This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for October 15th, 2020. Josh and Kirk run down the new devices from Apple, including the new HomePod Mini, plus what Siri can and can't do with the Mini, and a discussion around Apple's new implementation of MagSafe for the iPhone. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. So, Josh, did you watch anything interesting yesterday? Oh, you mean like the Apple event that they streamed live? The Apple TV show, yes. This this was the second episode of the fall, wasn't it, of the new season? We had the first episode a month ago with the Apple Watch, and now we have the second episode with the iPhone and the HomePod Mini. Yeah, there were some actually kind of cool things. I think everyone really expected this to be primarily an iPhone-centric event, but they actually started out the event talking about the HomePod Mini, which was kind of interesting. They did, and and I think they started out talking about the HomePod to get it out of the way, because they always want to end leaving the audience wanting more. And so it was the HomePod mini, the iPhone, the normal iPhone, then the iPhone Pro. It it kind of made sense. I didn't expect them to start talking about the HomePod mini. Um, So let's start talking about that. What I find interesting is that, you know, I'll put links in the show notes to some of the articles I've written on the Intego Mac security blog about the HomePod. Being someone who's really into music, uh, I bought one when it first came out. I bought a second one to make a stereo pair. And while it's a competent device, the sound isn't that great. It's too expensive for what it is. And Apple, they tried to make an Alexa smart speaker and something with really good sound, but I don't think people wanted that. I wouldn't say it was a failure, but it's very clear that it's not a very popular device for Apple. But in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you about something that they're planning, which might make it more popular. So the HomePod Mini is Apple's answer to the Amazon Alexa. You've got a couple of Alexas, don't you? Yeah, I've I've actually got a couple of Amazon Echo devices. I've got the original Echo, and I've also got an Echo Dot. With a, I think it's the first gen Echo Dot. Right. So the original one is that really tall cylinder, right? Right. And then the Echo Dot looks like a hockey puck. Exactly. That's exactly what they look like. Yeah. The the difference is that the original one has a larger speaker, and so music it doesn't sound great, but it sounds better. And the Echo Dot has one of those little one of those little tinny speakers that kind of sounds like this. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the HomePod Mini is kind of straddling in between those two, and there are other Echo devices. There's the Echo, which is the one with the screen that watches you in your bedroom while you're getting dressed or something. Oh, right. Yeah. Echo Show. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a number of them. So the HomePod Mini, the first thing to note is when you're looking at the photos on Apple's website, you need to realize how tiny this is. If you go to the Apple website and you look on the, the HomePod Mini page, scroll all the way down, and you see a picture of the HomePod Mini next to an iPhone, an iPad, and a MacBook Pro. It's tiny. It's 3.3 inches tall. That That's about half the height of my iPhone 11. It's really tiny. It's spherical. Um, so it's wider than it is tall. It's 3.9 inches wide. It's like, it's probably about the size of an Echo Dot, right? 
The Echo Dot's quite small. It's about four inches. This was actually kind of surprising to me how small the the HomePod Mini was. Um, it, it, of course, the most of the images that you see on Apple's website and in in the presentation, um, you're, you're seeing the the zoom in, you know, super close up viewpoint, and it doesn't do justice to the really tiny uh, size of this device that can really easily fit just about anywhere. Yeah, and and that I think is the is the key right there. It can fit anywhere. I've had people tell me, oh, I'm going to buy two of them. Our producer, Victor, um, said before the show, I'm going to buy three of them. And I think this is going to be really, really popular, unlike the original HomePod, because it's small. Um, I, I think people buying it aren't buying it so much for the music. And it's not going to sound great. It's a tiny speaker. Although I have a Bluetooth speaker that's maybe 50% bigger than that, and it's got some oomph. But what's interesting here is that Apple is positioning this and they did a, a they had a big set on stage uh, where they were showing a family in their house and showing how the different people of the family were using it, how it can recognize different voices, how you can use a new feature called Intercom, which will be available on all Apple devices, I think next month. You can send a voice message to anyone else that's in your family group. So presumably in the home app uh, on an iPhone or whichever device, um, you'll add a number of people and you'll have settings for each for each person. So you can just say, hey, Siri, Intercom, um, does anyone want pizza for dinner? And everyone can get this on their iPhone, their Apple Watch, even in their car on CarPlay. And I find that really quite fascinating. Yeah, and I actually didn't realize that this was something that uh, also showed up in the car. Did, did they actually show that in the event? I must have missed that. They mentioned CarPlay. I don't think they showed a car, but they did mention it's CarPlay. It's uh, iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, CarPlay, and other HomePods as well. I don't think it'll work on the Apple TV because Apple TV is generally not always on. But what what I find interesting is that they started with the HomePod. This is like Siri and music. And now with the HomePod mini, it's more Siri and home management. In order to use HomeKit, I'll link to an article that I wrote on the Intego Mac Security blog about HomeKit and smart home devices. You have to have a HomeKit hub. Currently, that could be an Apple TV, it could be a, a full-size HomePod, or it can be an iPad. Now, a lot of people may not have any of those devices. You can't use an iPhone as a HomeKit hub. It has to be something that's generally going to stay in the home uh, in order to work with all these devices. Now, the HomePod mini will be able to do that. And I think this is Apple's first foray into really expanding HomeKit and showing people what they can do uh, in terms of home automation. Another thing I don't think we mentioned was the the price. Um, so in the U.S., it's $99. And I, I kind of, uh, you know, seeing rumors about the HomePod Mini, I sort of expected that it was going to be at the like 150 price point. Um, it, now, $99 is still a lot more than an Echo Dot. And so on, on the day we're recording this, it's the second and final prime day and you can get an Echo Dot for $19. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and they're normally a little bit more than that, but uh, not anywhere close to $99. So it, it really depends on what ecosystem you favor. And uh, also you're, you're probably going to get much better audio quality, I would guess, with a HomePod mini than you do with a Dot. Um, so it depends on what you're really going to use it for, whether you prefer Alexa versus Siri. Um, you know, there's, there's those kind of things to consider as well as if, if you want to use that nice stereo feature, if you want a couple of HomePod minis, uh, that could be kind of neat too. Right. So you can make a stereo pair as you can with the 
let's call it the big home pod, you can't combine a big home pod and a home pod mini because the sound quality is very different. But you can set a stereo pair up to connect to an Apple TV, for example. And you could make it a small Apple TV sound system. Worth pointing out, there's a new feature, which they haven't said a lot about. I think it's going to be out in a month or two. This is for the larger HomePod. Uh, it's called HomePod Theater Mode. Uh, apparently, this is going to use some sort of – each, each of the HomePods has one woofer and seven tweeters. And apparently, it's going to use the seven tweeters to create surround sound, even Dolby Atmos. Um, so this is going to be a firmware update, and this will be interesting to see. The big HomePod is too expensive, but a pair of HomePods doing 5.1, Dolby Atmos, etc., connected to an Apple TV, that's really compelling, though still expensive. Um, a pair of HomePod minis on your desk in front of an iMac, if you want just, you know, small speakers with better sound than the internal iMac speakers, that's pretty compelling. But also... Sticking them in multiple rooms of the house if you're a Siri user. And I'm not really a Siri user that much. Yeah, I have to say I, I do use Siri fairly often. I mean, I, I probably use it a couple of times a week at, at minimum. Um, but mostly I, I find that I use it on my watch, not on, you know, my iPhone exactly. or some other device. It, just because it, it's easy to, to you know, to, uh, to activate it on my watch. I don't have to get out my phone just to use Siri. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a, a bit of the risk here is that anyone who has an Apple device already has Siri. So do they need a HomePod mini? Um, is it essential to have this device someplace in the home or in several rooms, assuming that you don't have your iPhone at hand or you don't have an Apple Watch? So we should also briefly talk about security and privacy because Apple – uh, this is, of course, a swipe at Amazon where maybe the security and privacy isn't that great. Um, on the HomePod page, they say a speaker that protects your right to privacy. Uh, they say that it only listens for Hey Siri. And Josh, you didn't know, you asked me earlier if it's going to have a mute button. Um, but I showed you in the home app on the iPhone, the settings for the HomePod that you can turn off Siri. You can turn off listen for Hey Siri and you can tap it to activate Hey Siri. They say that when you ask Siri something, your request is associated with a random identifier, not your Apple ID. That's true unless you're saying add something to my calendar or, uh, you know, something personal, in which case it is going to be you. It also says that HomePod Mini works with your iPhone for requests like hearing your messages or notes, so they're completed on the device without revealing that information to Apple. So what that means is that there are Siri requests that don't go to Apple servers that stay local because... I guess it's just syncing your iCloud information. There's one other thing that they mention here. They say that uh, HomeKit secure video support is also part of the HomePod and HomePod Mini. Um, I don't know too much about that. I, I guess if you have cameras that work with HomeKit, uh, that is security cameras that work with HomeKit, you can integrate them. And I don't know too much about how that works. Maybe you can explain that. Well, basically, this is why you need a HomeKit hub to manage all of this. And it's sent up to your iCloud account um, using end-to-end -end encryption, and Apple can't see anything. You can access it on any device with the Home app that's connected to your account. So it's kind of like with messages, they're end-to-end -end encryption and, and other types of data. But as we've said in the past, not all data on iCloud is encrypted from end-to-end, -end, but the secure video is. Well, I think we've talked enough about the, the HomePod, <laughs> but uh, we, we've also got, of course, the iPhone. There's a lot to say about that. There is. So how about we take a break and when we come back, we'll talk about the iPhone. All right. 
You already know that Intego loves Macs. After all, Intego has been making world-class Mac security software since 1997. But did you know that Intego Antivirus is also available for Microsoft Windows? If you've got Windows running on your Mac, either in Boot Camp or in a virtual machine like Parallels, VMware, or VirtualBox, make sure to protect it from malware just like you protect macOS with Intego Security Software. Intego Antivirus for Windows is also a great solution for your friends and family members with Windows PCs. Download a free trial of Intego Antivirus for Windows today, and when you're ready to buy, use the link in the show notes for a special discount. Don't use Windows? Don't worry. We've still got a great deal for you. First-time buyers of Mac Premium Bundle X9 can get Intego's powerful Mac security and utility suite at an incredible 40% savings by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac and now for Windows, too. Okay, so Josh, are you getting a new iPhone? What, what, which iPhone do you have first? Uh, I have the 10s, and um, so I'm a couple generations behind. But to be honest, I feel like there's nothing that really compels me to get a new iPhone at this point. One thing that I might kind of want in a new iPhone is a little bit more storage. I have a 10s. My 10s has 64 gigs, and it's not quite as good for me as it used to be when I first bought the device. I've kind of filled it to capacity a couple of times and I've had to delete stuff off of it. Um, and they did announce that the new pro versions of the iPhone 12 uh, have a baseline of 128 gigs now, which is nice. Yeah, I remember when iPhones had 16 gigs not long ago and people were complaining that they couldn't even update them because there wasn't enough free space to run an update to to a new operating system. Right. Yeah. Well, now people are complaining that 64 is not enough. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, we've got 4K capable video cameras now in our pockets. Good point. And uh, well, yeah. as we know, video takes up a lot of storage space. Yeah. So you've got you've got young kids. I don't. So I don't shoot videos like that. I, I do take some photos, but not much. So my 64 gig is fine. As you say, there's not that much of a difference. And this may surprise you, but I don't think I'm going to buy a new iPhone this year. And, and this is for two reasons. The first is I'm on the iPhone upgrade program. And here in the UK, you have to physically go to a store to get the new iPhone. You can't do it by mail like in the US. And I really don't want to have to do that. Um, and second, just thinking about it, there's not that much of a difference between the, the base iPhone 12. I wouldn't go for the pro model, um, but the base iPhone 12 and the base iPhone 11 that I have it's a little smaller, it's a little faster, new colors, surgical grade steel around the edges and all that, but it's not that much of a difference. So I think I'm going to sit this one out and keep an iPhone for two years, which is the first time in quite some time. I was going to say, yeah, I don't like when have you ever done that in recent history? Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. Um, I, I haven't, but I don't see the need. If, if, I could do the iPhone upgrade by mail. I probably would because then I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, reselling, et cetera. But that in this time of COVID, that's a bit of a problem. I would like to point out that, you know, in WWDC and in the Apple Watch presentation, Apple did mention about COVID and social distancing a number of times. They did not mention it once yesterday in the presentation, except uh, at the very end, Tim Cook said, stay safe. Mm -hmm. And it felt to me a bit tone deaf that here we are with this magical iPhone 
and there's people who are sick and can't go out and are, who are self-isolating and quarantining. And that kind of felt uncomfortable. I wonder if maybe what they were going for is to not just sort of keep bashing people over the head with something that people are probably kind of tired of hearing about it in many cases. They yeah. did, however, in the scroll at the, at the end, uh, you know, the, the, the scroll by sort of credits type thing, they did say, here are all the precautions that we took. And it was the same thing that they've been doing for the other Apple events that they've done this year. And and you could see it. They had the CEO of Verizon on stage, you know, well distanced from Tim Cook. Um, and so, so that brings us to the main selling point of the iPhone 12, which surprisingly most people won't be able to benefit from, and that's 5G. 5G is faster um, than 4G, just like 4G was faster than 3G. But 5G is a bit of a confusing uh, standard. There are sort of three levels of 5G. There's the baseline level that's probably just like 4G and could actually be slower, but can sometimes be faster. There's the middle of the road, and then there's what's called millimeter wave 5G. When in the presentation they were showing how fast 5G is, that was an example of what millimeter wave 5G would look like. They were showing someone tapping an album on Apple Music and everything downloading in a second. Um, you're only going to get millimeter wave 5G in big cities, dense urban areas, the the cell towers have to be very close together. So the smaller the waves, the shorter the, the, the range. So if you're in an average area where there's not a lot of people, there aren't going to be a lot of towers, and you're not going to get the really fast 5G. Uh, on top of that, most people in any country around the world aren't going to have any 5G at all unless you're in big cities. Well, I was going to say, too, uh, researching this yesterday – it turns out that it's not even necessarily just because you're in a big city that you're likely to have 5G. There's pockets within those cities where they're going to have the good 5G access, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, by the end of, I think, 2024, um, a lot of the 5G networks are going to be much more built out. But I mean, now we're talking like four years in the future. So I guess from that perspective, at the very least, uh, if you feel like you want to get a new iPhone and you want it to be sort of future-proof and and able to work as fast as possible on the new 5G networks once they are more widely available, then you could get an iPhone 12 now if you want to. Yeah. Well, I, I just remember one thing that they said in the presentation that this is the, the 5G, and they're talking about the millimeter wave, is ideal for crowded situations like a, a crowded sports stadium. And my first thought is where? New Zealand? Because there aren't any crowded sports stadiums that I know of in the U.S., in the U.K., or most countries. Right. Um, it, it seems like bad timing. Obviously, they've been planning this for years. You know, it takes years for the, the phone companies to roll out this hardware, um, and it just happens to come now. But if you think the 5G means you're going to get better speed, you're not going to get better speed. You will get an updated phone. I, I like the straight sides better than the rounded sides, and this goes back to what started with the iPhone 4, and then we had this through the 5S, and the 6 was the first one with the rounded edges. The bezels are smaller, so if I look at the iPhone equivalent for mine, the base iPhone 12, the screen is the same size, but the overall device is smaller. And the iPhone 12 mini is really quite compelling. For all the people who miss that old iPhone size that, you know, you can hold it in one hand, um, the iPhone 12 mini with a 5.4-inch display is really quite big. If you compare that to the first iPhone SE, um, which I think had a 4.7-inch display, they've lopped off the Touch ID button. So you've got uh, 
it's not edge to edge, um, but you've got a display that fills the thing. And, and I think that's a compelling uh, device. It's interesting you say that because the size can really be a, a factor for a lot of people. If you really want a small phone, I used to have several pairs of pants that had a particular side pocket. And I loved how my iPhone 4, I think it was at the time, could fit sideways in my pocket. So it wasn't sticking up. It wasn't visible to people, but I could easily put that in a pocket that I could reach into a little more easily than than you can in like kind of your normal side pockets. This was like down the pant leg uh, side pocket, and and it was a little more yeah. convenient to grab my phone out of that. But then as soon as I think it was maybe the five came out, um, whatever the next phone was that I upgraded to, it didn't quite fit right anymore in those pants. <laughs> and so uh. so I, I had to I had to change my wardrobe because of iPhone sizes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, it's, you know, it's true that there are a lot of people with small hands, particularly women, um, or, or who carry their iPhone in a small purse and they don't mm-hmm. want one of these big iPhones. If you remember when the iPhone SE came out, it was the, I think basically Apple, there were a lot of people complained. They figured, let's try it. And they were surprised by how popular it was. And then when the second generation SE came out, which is larger, people were still clamoring for a small one. And, and I think now we've got three sizes. Um, we've got the, the mini, the normal, and then the pro max. So if you want the largest one, that's going to be the pro. If you want the smallest one, that's going to not be the pro. If you're, if you're in the middle size wise, well, you can get either the pro or the normal. Pricing is interesting because it's a hundred bucks more expensive than last year. So the iPhone 11, the, the middle of the road one was 699. This year it's 799. The mini is 699. And the iPhone 12 Pro prices are the same as last year, 999 and 1099. And they, as you said, they start with 128 gigs. So you don't need to pay extra for that. On the other hand, you're no longer getting a charger or earbuds. Which, if you wanted to buy them separately from Apple as accessories, be $19 each. Now, Apple did explain that there are hundreds of millions of earbuds and billions of chargers, and probably most people don't need them. And they're they're not wrong. Um, I've got a drawer full of old iPhone chargers. The problem is that they're raising the price of the phone and they're taking stuff away, and that feels a bit uncomfortable. I'm kind of surprised that they upped the price $100 of these you know, lower-end phones. Um, I don't know what the real justification for it is. It is fair to say that they do have the same processor. Um, the big difference for the Pro models is that they've got a third camera and they've got some extra um, camera and filming features. They can shoot 4K video and Dolby Vision, which, frankly, I, I'm, I don't make feature films, but you could with an iPhone now. The quality of that is really quite stunning. But these are still, the high-end ones are still expensive devices. I am glad that they're still including a cable with the new phones because that is the one part that does seem to wear out. Um, I, I've yes. seen so many yes. lightning cables that have kind of started to get yellow on on one end because they you know started to heat up or whatever, different things like that, or they get bent at funny angles and uh, sometimes the plastic kind of breaks. It's important, I think, that they're still including the cable. Uh, that that's something that we couldn't do without. But yeah. um, but I guess it's okay. I, I mean, in, in in terms of like leaving out the AC adapter, I understand Apple's perspective on this. But yeah, it is sort of funny though that they're not like lowering the prices. They're, and and they talked about all these green reasons why they're doing this, and and they have a lot of like good logic behind it. But it also seems like yeah, but you're going to be saving a ton of money doing it this way too. Yeah, so. 
Well, one of the advantages is that the boxes are smaller and that they can get more iPhone boxes per container per pallet, yeah. and there's less to ship. Yeah. So that, that's a big saving. Now, t- talking about the cable and the charging, one of the new innovations is MagSafe. You may remember <sighs> MagSafe is this wonderful feature that let your power cable connect magnetically to a, a Mac laptop. So if you tripped over the cable, it wouldn't go flying onto the floor, but it would just pull up. I love the MagSafe adapter. So what they've got now is you can magnetically connect a charging disc, which will do induction charging on the back of the phones. You can also magnetically connect um, cases. There's even a sort of a leather credit card case that you can put on it. I, I guess this is the successor to the um, Apple experimental air power that they had been planning to release and couldn't quite get right. I guess they decided uh, to reuse the MagSafe brand, which is is kind of sad. Unfortunately, we don't have that on MacBooks anymore because, of course, now we're using um, a USB-C slash Thunderbolt port, you know, to to charge our, our MacBooks now. Um, so you no longer have that nice, easy detach, you know, uh, I, I guess at, at least the cable doesn't plug that deep into the MacBook. And so maybe it could still pull out if you trip over the cord at a certain angle, but yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> want to try it. I'm very careful about those. I don't charge a laptop any place where I'm going to be walking. Exactly. Yeah. But um, in any case, yeah. So some people are very disappointed that they're reusing the MagSafe brand name just because this sort of implies this is never coming back to the Mac, which is, which is kind of sad, yeah. but um, but yeah, it is interesting though, to see that Apple finally has a wireless charger. They've had AirPods, uh, with a wireless charging case for a long time. They've had, uh, iPhones it, it, since the iPhone eight and the 10, I believe that, which came out in the same year, um, they've had this capability to charge wirelessly as I know you hate the term wireless charging, but I hate the term wireless <laughs> because there's still wire going to the charger. Yeah. Um, I, I like to call it induction charging. Yeah, yeah. That's more accurate. Yeah. But I, I have one of those chargers on the table next to my bed. I've got one under my iMac right here. Um, they charge slowly, so it's great for charging overnight, but I think they're really practical. I think the whole magnetic thing is interesting. It leaves open a lot of possibilities for the future. They showed some images of a dual charging device that kind of unfolds, and you could put the iPhone on one side and an Apple Watch on the other side, and that's not on the website yet. That won't be out for a couple of months. It's not quite at the point yet where they can take away all the ports, and there's been rumors that Apple wants to do that at some point. Um, It would certainly make it a little bit easier for the device to be more fully waterproof and things like that if, if it had no open ports. Um, but you know, as you say, that's, that's kind of the one thing that's holding them back, I think at this point, and maybe, um, it's not such a big deal for Apple because honestly, they want you to get your device repaired at an Apple shop. And so if they can open it up, then, you know, it probably wouldn't be too much of a big deal for Apple from their perspective. So a couple small points before we finish. They have a new glass that they're calling Ceramic Shield and the Ions Nano Fuse or something. When they talk about that in these presentations, this just sounds ridiculous. Um, But they say it's four times sturdier than the previous glass. I'm still putting a case on any iPhone I have. I don't care. One thing that didn't come out here, and we had talked about this when the last iPad came out, was the Touch ID and the power button. And I think we're with COVID and people wearing masks, it would have been nice to see. Uh, there's also no Touch ID under the screen. There have been rumors about that coming uh, for a while. 
Right. I didn't really expect to see the touch ID under the screen. That would be a pretty cool technology if they could pull that off and really do it effectively and securely, that is. But uh, yeah, at the very least, I would have loved to see a touch ID. Honestly, I would definitely have considered buying an iPhone 12 Pro probably if they had touch ID on the power button. But oh, well, not this time. Okay, so um, pre-orders for the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro uh, start on Friday the 16th. Not the iPhone 12 mini or iPhone 12 Pro Max. So the two middle ones start this Friday and the two, the large and the small ones pre-orders start on November 6th. Um, pre-orders for the HomePod mini are November 6th as well. So we'll certainly have more to talk about. Are you going to get one or not? Oh, what's that? An iPhone. An iPhone. No, I'm I'm not going to get one this time around. I I think um if again if they had touch ID on the power button, that would be the selling point for me. That would make a difference. Um I'm I'm pretty good with the camera that's built into the 10s and I don't feel like there's been that many really big changes since the 10s came out, so I'm good with mine. Uh I think probably for at least another year. Um, you know, it's, it's worth mentioning too briefly that Apple said nothing about Macs in this presentation. They did not announce Mac OS Big Sur or a release date for it. Um, so that's still kind of a big unknown. And, uh, a lot of people had speculated we might see it this week. Now a lot of people are thinking it might not even come out till November. So we'll keep you posted on that. As soon as Big Sur is out, we'll have a lot of articles, uh, updated and, uh, new articles also available on the Intego Mac security blog. So stay tuned for that. Yes, the the current thinking is sometime in November, Apple's going to be doing an event to present um, new Macs using Apple Silicon, perhaps an Apple TV update. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe once the pre-orders for all these devices have gone out, it's time to get something new for Christmas. So until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.